Let's open our Bibles to Job chapter 33 and look at a few examples of the words of repentance. Elihu gives us a good example in this 33rd chapter of Job as he exhorts Job to repent because God is greater than man. And the Lord had a right to do with Job what he did to him. And Job should humble himself and the difficulties would be lifted. But if Job were to continue defending himself and arguing with the Most High, Elihu warned that beware that the Lord could come and take you away. But here's, here's how Elihu, the wisest man in the book of Job, explains the confession of, pray, of sin and repentance. Job 33, verse 27. He looketh upon men, speaking of the Lord, he looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. Amen. That is true repentance right there in three expressions. I have sinned. I have, I have committed a sin against God. I have broken His law. I have done wrong. Second, I have perverted that which was right. The way God set things up and the commandments God has given, they are right. And I perverted what was right. So what I did was wrong. And third, I got no profit from it. Sometimes we'll excuse sin. Sometimes... We'll say, well, I'm sorry that you didn't like it. Or we'll say in our hearts, we hardly ever verbalize such things. Or we'll say that I'm, I'm sorry that I got caught, but it was worth it. You hear anything like that, you have someone that is not repentant at all. True repentance is, I have sinned. I perverted the right thing that God gave me, and it did not profit me. I like that expression from Elihu in Job 33. That's real repentance. Look at Second Samuel chapter 24. Brethren, I just want to show you the mercy of God and some other aspects of repentance. Second Samuel 24. Did Job find the mercy of God? Amen. He was blessed with twice what he ever had before for enduring that and coming out of it. Did he know how to repent? He said, I repent in dust and ashes. Job knew how to repent. Elihu had helped get him there. But when the Lord came to Job and spoke to him, he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, I repent in dust and ashes. Did he get it? How long does that take? It only took a, few, a minute to voice those words. And the Lord blessed him with twice what he ever had before. Second Samuel 24 is another prayer of confession and repentance by the, on the part of David when he numbered Israel that cost 70,000 lives. Second Samuel 24:10, David's heart smote him. After that, he had numbered the people. Why didn't it smite him before that? God had withdrawn from him, turned him over to Satan for a little while. Satan stood up against Israel. Your heart will not smite you unless the Lord says, smite that man. Because if you'll look at verse 1, same chapter. And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. God didn't have a problem with David. God had a problem with Israel. And so he moved David against them so that he would have cause to judge them and kill 70,000 men. 
God did verse 1 and God did verse 2. And why did God do it in that order? Because God is righteous and holy and just in all His ways. He is the potter and we are the clay. And I'm thankful for verse 10, even though there is a verse 1. Because verse 10 makes up for verse 1. 70,000 men in Israel deserve to die or the Lord wouldn't have done it. The Lord stopped at 70,000 because one more would have been too many. But repentance is a gift from God. His heart smote him. Why didn't his heart smite him earlier? I want you to think about that. But that's not really the point right now. I want us to get an example of repentance by words. David's heart smote him. After that, he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. When we repent, we should tell the Lord, I have done very foolishly. Don't try to excuse it and justify it in any way. Just get it out there. I have done very foolishly. Now, you could justify that every king ought to know how many military men he has. He ought to know the census of his nation. But God had told these kings, I don't want you to rely on numbers, so don't ever number your people. And so he says, I have done very foolishly. I have sinned greatly in that I have done. He didn't make it a minor sin. I just want you to notice these words. And so when we go to the Lord, let's pray this way. I have sinned greatly. I have done very foolishly against thee, O Lord. Ezra 9. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Ezra chapter 9. Oh, there's some great confession of sin in Ezra and Nehemiah, these two great leaders of the regathered Jews. And there's many, there's many words here that we could read. Ezra chapter 9 and verse 4. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. Those are the ones that get forgiven. The ones that tremble at the words of the God of Israel. Because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. This is a man repentant. He, he is astonished at the wickedness of his people as he sits and reflects upon it all the way until the evening sacrifice. Verse 5, and at the evening sacrifice, I arose up from my heaviness and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. And said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. And he goes on and, and elaborates on how great their sins were. This is godly repentance by words. Don't ever cut short. You cannot go too far down in the sight and presence of God as you confess your sins and you lift him up that he is holy and righteous. And Ezra gives us an example of it right here. Did God bless this man? Did God bless these people? Amen. Though they were small and feeble, they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and God was with them. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, as we pass over Isaiah, remember that when Isaiah was in the presence of the thrice holy God, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
That is a repentant man. Did that man receive the forgiveness of sins? God said, take a coal from off the altar and put it on his lips. Thy sins are taken away. Repentance works. Repentance is how we relate to a holy God. When we repent, we turn from all of our wicked ways, thoughts and words, and we turn to the Lord and His Word and His ways. And we put ourselves down and we put God up and we commit that we will do anything He asks of us. We do not hold out a single thing, but we are willing to do all for Him. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 18. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Here's repentance. Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. Surely after that I was turned, I repented. And after that, I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. This is a prayer. When was the last time you prayed for God to turn you? If you want repentance in your life, you have to ask God to give you repentance. Turn me. And then as God turns your heart, repent more. You know, for you to even pray this prayer is God's already moving on your heart. But as you pray the prayer, God will move further on your heart. Is this kind of a prayer answered? Well, let's read the next verse and see. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. Is that good? I've never forgotten my little child Ephraim, even though they were great sinners. Because as God turned them, they repented, they were ashamed, they were confounded, they were willing to admit I was nothing but I was a bullock. I was a rebellious young bullock, chafing against the yoke, chafing against you. But Lord, you turned me, I repented, you instructed me, I was ashamed. And the Lord said, I love that son Ephraim. What made the big difference? God... The book of Jeremiah is about pounding Ephraim and Judah. What made the big difference? Verses 18 and 19. True repentance. What did the Lord say when he came to the reasoning table? Learn to do well and eat the good of the land. Rebel and the sword will devour you. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. His ways are fair. It's our ways that are unequal. We owe him everything. Ah, that's precious there in Jeremiah. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. What do the godly do when they hear preaching? Well, I just don't think that I believe that. Well, I just don't know if I can go that far. Is that how the godly respond to preaching? Here's John the Baptist. Envision him again in your mind with his leather girdle and his camel's hair. And his wild, lo- wild honey and locusts that he's eating. He- he's preaching with the repentance. Luke chapter 3, verse 10. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? They listened to the warning of the word of God, and they said, What shall we do then? 
Everyone who is truly repentant wants to know what else they can or should do to please God. What shall we do then? He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Notice, all three men said the same, all three categories of persons said the same thing. What shall we do? Because that is a repentant attitude. It is never, well, I think I've done enough. It's never like that. It's what shall we do? What did Saul of Tarsus say on the road to Damascus? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The same attitude is right here. The soldiers heard what was said to the people and to the publicans, but then they wanted to know what specifically could be in my life that I need to correct. And John the Baptist's answer was for soldiers. Don't you, don't you do violence to any man. That is unjustified violence that would be wrong even in war. Don't you do violence to any man. Don't accuse any falsely, even though you've got the power of arms on your side. And be content with your wages and don't steal from the people of whose nation you're occupying. Because that was a great temptation. And so there John the Baptist had specific things for soldiers of the Roman Empire. But they had asked, what shall we do? That is a repentant person. They're never blaming others. They're never excusing themselves. All they want to know is, what shall we do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? These are the examples of words of true repentance. How about the thief on the cross? It was short. Can you remember it? Let's just say it. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Is there anything in that statement? Lord, remember me, because it's not based on my remembering you. When thou comest into thy kingdom, thou art truly a king. He confessed the lordship of Jesus Christ while hanging on the cross. Lord, that's the lordship of Jesus Christ. Remember me, because it is your mediatorship, and it's your remembering me before the God of heaven that is going to be my salvation. Lord, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom, thou art truly and indeed the king of Israel. He had been cursing before. Now he's calling him Lord, asking for him to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. That's a total change in that man's life in one sentence. Lord, remember me when thou comest. Was that prayer answered? Amen. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Is, is, are his ways equal? Yes. You say, could, could the man have been a thief his whole life? Could he have repented in one sentence on the cross and been forgiven that easily? Amen. That's the God of heaven. He's full of loving kindness and tender mercies, long-suffering and grace. No sinner, no matter how many sins you've sinned or how long you've sinned, will be rejected when they come with true repentance to the God of heaven. How about some examples of works? When Nathan the prophet told David, 
Because of what you've done, you've given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. The child's going to die. What did David do? Seven days and nights on the ground, he cried unto the Lord, if perchance God would save that child's life. He repented. That's the work of repentance. He was on the ground. He wasn't on his throne. He didn't expect his position as king to mean anything to the Lord. He was groveling for pure mercy from the God of heaven. Look at 1 Kings 21. 1 Kings 21. You'll never be as bad as this man. But even this man found a place of mercy with God for humbling himself. These are the examples of the works of repentance. 1 Kings 21, verse 25. But there was none like unto Ahab. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words, these are words of prophecy from Elijah, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Even Ahab, he went softly. He knew that he deserves God's judgment. He was no longer bold, presumptuous, arrogant. He went softly. And what did he wear to bed? What were his pajamas made of? Sackcloth. He went to bed in pajamas. Jezebel probably didn't like the feel, but he didn't care. He had heard the word of the Lord. He fasted, and God had mercy on him right there in the context. You'll never be as bad as Ahab, but even Ahab found mercy from the Lord by repentance. You go humbly with the Lord. You, you cause yourself a little bit of pain. You cry into the Lord. He'll hear you. You fast and let him know how serious you are, and God will hear Second, Second Kings, Second Kings 22. My hesitation, brethren, are selecting out of many. The Bible is full of it. I remember visiting a young man in prison. And I remember him reading First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings several times. And I remember him saying to me, I cannot believe the great difference that there is between those who follow the Lord and those who don't. And that's what that history is put there for. The great difference between those that follow the Lord and those that don't. I pray that young man will remember what he said and it will awaken him and his heart will smite him someday. The whole history of Israel. Josiah is in 2 Kings 22. Remember, he was the king that began to reign when he was eight years old. We'll read about it in verse 1 of this chapter. 
And it tells what he did at different stages of his life. Even as a young man, he was committed to doing right. But the nation was still not totally cleaned up from idolatry. And he has the temple being repaired. And we read this, 2 Kings 22.10. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. They found it in the rubble. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asahiah a servant of the king's, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found, For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all which is written concerning us. It sounds like the book of Deuteronomy. They had found the book of Deuteronomy in the rubble of the temple, and it's brought in red before Josiah the king, and he humbles himself and notice the works of repentance. He immediately rends his clothes from the word of God. The Word of God got his attention. It convicted him greatly. He then wanted to know immediately further about God's will for them. And so he sends to get advice from prophets and prophetess about what else is true. And he admits that they are guilty, that they have sinned against the Lord, and that God's wrath is justly kindled against him. That's a repentant man. That's repentance. That's the work of repentance. How about Manasseh? If there was a king worse than Ahab, it was Manasseh, a king of Judah, who should have known better, in the line of the Lord Jesus Christ, a descendant of David. It tells us in Second Chronicles 33 that he was taken captive and put in prison in Babylon. But in that prison, he humbled himself greatly and called upon the Lord. And the Lord had mercy on him, and his captor king put him back on his throne. And it says, Then Manasseh knew the Lord. He is God. (laughs) Amen. Because he repented. That king was so wicked, he had burned children and sacrificed to idols. He had put an idol up right in the house of God. Manasseh was wicked. Forgiven. Because he humbled himself greatly. What is the work of repentance? Get down. Get down. I am nothing. Lord, you are everything. What you do to me is totally fair. It's less than we deserve. That's one of the statements of a prayer of repentance in the Bible. We have got less than we deserve. And that's the attitude that we ought to have. You read about Nineveh. Praise the Lord for the Ninevites. Look at Ezra chapter 6. Here's some Gentile proselytes to the Jews' religion way back in Ezra. It's talking about a Passover that they had. And it says in verse 21 of Ezra 6, And the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, to seek the Lord God of Israel, did eat. How did you get to eat the Passover if you were a Gentile pagan? How did you get to do it? By repentance. And what was repentance in this verse? It was separating themselves unto the Jews from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord. That's repentance. 
They separated themselves from the filthiness of the land and the people, the heathen of the land in order to seek the Lord. Because repentance is a turning from and it's a turning to all at the same time. It's a turning from your ways, from the world's ways, from sin and wickedness to turn to the Lord's ways and the word of God's ways and righteousness. That's what repentance is. It's more than words. It's not a decision for Jesus. Unless you were to define that very, very carefully. It is, an, it is a life-changing decision, if you want to use that word, of against sin and against the world for righteousness and for Christ. And it alters a person's life. And they're ripped up about it. And they're zealous about it. And they're committed to do anything the Word of God asks of them. Anything short of that is not full, true, godly repentance. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. Do you know there's repentance in chapter 8? Eight's where we go to often as the most detailed preaching service in the Bible. Remember? And they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused the people to understand the reading. Now, what did Nehemiah, Nehemiah had to jump up and take over that service because what had happened? The people were starting to cry and mourn because they realized that they were sinners in the face of God's word. Nehemiah jumped up and said, now, wait a minute. Don't you mourn and cry today. Let's be thankful that God's given us an understanding of his word. You send some portions to those that don't have anything. Let's eat the fat and drink the sweet. Let's have a great day in the Lord. And so they did, although the people were fearful of what they had just heard read to them. But Nehemiah said, it's a good day in the Lord. What they do the next day? They came right back to those preachers that had preached the word of God to them and said, you preach to us again and you tell us what we're not doing in God's word. And they discovered the Feast of Booths, which hadn't been kept for a thousand years. And so they kept it and they kept it with great joy. Because they were repentant and they wanted the Word of God. What is repentance by some of these passages? They want to know the Word of God. It drives men to want to hear more of what God wants from my life. Nehemiah chapter 9. This is the next chapter. This is a couple of weeks later. It tells us that. It tells us what day of what month. Now in the 20 and 4th day of this month, that's the month of chapter 8, The children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day. And another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. There's the works of repentance. Look at how serious these people were. They stood a quarter of the day, three hours long, and heard the word of God read to them. Another fourth part of the day, three hours long, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. And they came, they came with fasting, they came with sackcloth, and they had thrown dirt on themselves, and they separated themselves from anyone that was a stranger to the commonwealth of Israel and the worship of the true God. These are the works of repentance. The Bible is filled with examples like this to stir us up, to instruct us and teach us how serious and how thorough our repentance ought to be. And God bless these people. They rebuilt the city of Jerusalem from a pile of rubble. They had little money and no strength, but they did it anyway. And they built the temple of the Lord. 
What did Peter do after he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times? Jesus turned and looked at him. What does the Bible say? He went out and wept bitterly. There's an action of repentance. Wept bitterly about what he had done. How about 3,000 Jews in the day of Pentecost? When Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, did their repentance change their lives? Read till the end of the chapter. They joined up with the apostles and were in the temple daily, praising God and worshiping, worshiping the Lord. They were sharing all their goods. Their lives were totally changed by repenting to the God of heaven. How about the city of Ephesus? I read that Paul preached in the city of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And the people brought and showed what they had been involved in, their past religion. And they brought their books and burned their books. And the value of the books was 50,000 pieces of silver. Acts chapter 19. That's in the Word of God. That is true repentance. If you have something in your life that is contrary to the Word of God, then burn it, destroy it, crush it, get rid of it. Asa, what did he do to his mother? He, he demoted her from being queen because she wasn't a true worshiper of God. She didn't deserve the office. How about the Thessalonians? It says they turned from their idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven, even Jesus, who hath delivered us from the wrath to come. Total change in their lives. How big was the change? Paul said, we don't have a word to say about you. Whenever we, wherever we go in the Roman Empire, they tell us what kind of an entering in we had into you and how you turn from idols to serve the living and true God. The word of the Lord has sounded out from you, not tracks, a testimony and a witness of their changed lives. May our church be known for changed lives. Men who repented and are seeking the Lord with their whole hearts. There's inadequate repentance. Do you think Adam repented, repented in the Garden of Eden, blaming the woman, hiding in the trees? That's not repentance. That's inadequate. What about Cain? Did you, did you hear Cain? Can you hear him? He's being... Con Where's your brother Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? Hear the defense? Yep. That is not repentance. Cain is set forth as a father of the wicked in this earth. A child of the devil. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. And then he put a judgment upon Cain. And Cain said, oh, my burden is too great for me to bear. Did David or anybody else sound like that that we've read? When the Lord put a burden upon them, did they say this is too much? Or did they say, Lord, thou art clear when thou judgest and speakest against me. And we have not, we have, we have not received what we deserve for our sins. Totally different from Cain. When you hear anyone talking like that, it is not true repentance. True repentance humbles and grovels before God, knowing that it deserves punishment. What a difference. Cain's was inadequate. The Bible tells us Judas repented. Do you know that? Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3 says that then Judas repented. There's worldly repentance and there's godly repentance is my point right now. One is adequate for God's pleasure and one is not. Judas repented. Did he run to the Lord Jesus Christ and volunteer to be crucified on a fourth cross? 
Did he fall at his feet and beg for his mercy? He threw the 30 pieces of silver back and he went out and hung himself. No different than Adam and Eve. Trying to hide. Trying to escape. You can't, you can't punish yourself. He sounds like a Catholic. You know, he went into the little confessional booth. Father O'Reilly, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, my son. Go and do some penance. Hang yourself. Okay, are you with me? That's what Catholic priests have done for 2,000 years. Go and buy candles. Go and say masses. Or in Judas's case, go hang yourself. That isn't repentance. It's worldly repentance. And it, worldly repentance leads to what? Second Corinthians 7 told us? Death. And it was an ugly death. He didn't do a very good rope job, did he? No. Because his bowels dashed all over that field. But it was not godly repentance. Godly repentance would have run to the lover of sinners. I have thought upon this long and hard this week. Judas had a privileged first row seat to see the lover of sinners in action. Judas had watched the Lord Jesus Christ forgive the worst of sinners in Israel. He had seen it. He knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was merciful and a lover of sinners. But listen, when, there's, when the devil has control of your heart and when you're in the flesh, you do not see or recognize the mercy of God, nor do you understand repentance. And so he went and hung himself. That's not repentance. I don't care if he did kill himself. There's nothing impressive about suicide. It just shows the stupidity of a man. There's life with the Lord. Turn and live. The, the Word of God cries out to us. Turn and live. Don't turn and die. <coughs> Judas. And brethren, I want to say right along with that, singing God bless America is not repentance. Fasting and praying in sackcloth and ashes, that would be closer to repentance. Wanting the word of God preached to, those, to our entire Congress, all 535 members of it, that would be repentance. Get some man in here that's going to teach us the word of God and tell us what this nation needs to do. That's repentance. Let's put these sodomites to death. That's repentance. That's what they did in the Bible when there was a revival. They tore down the houses of the sodomites and put them to death. They took fault, the priests of false religion and killed them. They dug up their bones and burned them. They tore down their idols and cut down their groves. They should turn Hollywood off for a month. And turn on preaching. There's no repentance in this nation. God bless America. Why? Because we're America? That presumptuous attitude is the same attitude that there was in Sodom and Gomorrah. The three sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, according to Ezekiel 16, is pride and fullness of bread and abundance of idleness in her daughters. Three of her sins. Outward affliction without inward reformation is not repentance. Real repentance is a change on your inside. Remember how David said, Thou desirest truth on the inward parts. In my heart. It's not outward religion. It's an inward change of life that, re that results in a changed life. Adequate or inadequate repentance. Faith without works is dead. Faith without repentance is nothing. The devils are full of faith. They believe that there's one God... And he has one son, Jesus Christ, by his incarnational birth through the Virgin Mary. 
The devils know all that. They know that salvation's by election. They just know that they weren't elected. They know all that. The devils believe and tremble. They know they have torment coming, and they know who's in charge of their torment. Art thou come to torment us before our time? But do you know what they never do? They never repent. Even though they've got intellects greater than ours, even though they can see God forgiving sinners, they never repent. Isn't that incredible? Why do we repent? We're not as bright as the angels are. I'll tell you why. Because we're the sons of God and He's given us repentance. Yes. Amen. Ever read First Samuel 15 about King Saul when he didn't kill the Amalekites? Did he have lots of excuses? Did he say, pray for me? Did he feel sorry for himself? Did he humble himself like David did when Nathan came to him? King Saul got Samuel. David got Nathan. The the reactions of the two are so entirely different. One man was profane and the other humbled himself before God and was forgiven. Adequate repentance, we've learned it today. A broken and a contrite heart and spirit, God will not despise. You break yourself before him and say, you are right, I am wrong. You are wise, I am foolish. You are holy, I am profane. I hate this. Oh, God, forgive me for what I've done. Help me to do what's righteous. Turn my heart even further. Show me what you would have me to do, and I will praise you for the rest of my life. That's a repentant man. And the Lord hears that. And he says, come and reason with me, saith the Lord. Isaiah 1, please, if you're bored this afternoon from when we leave until your head hits the pillow, go read Isaiah 1 and find out how wicked Israel and Judah were. But though their sins were as scarlet, God would make them white as snow. Though they were red like crimson, He would make them white as wool. And how? By repentance. He said, learn to do well. Put away the evil of your doings, and I will bless you. If you want another chapter because Isaiah 1 isn't enough for you, go to Isaiah 58 and read about true repentance there and the blessings of God. I am out of time. I covered so little of what I wanted to cover with you, but I hope it was enough that the Lord loves the repentant. It's the way that we deal with the holy God. We will never be practically as holy as the Lord. But if we repent and turn from our wickedness and turn toward Him, as far as we are able and as far as we understand and we do it with zeal and with indignation and revenge, we can altogether clear ourselves in the matter of sin. And He welcomes us as He welcomed Ephraim back. Remember where that was? Can you read that this afternoon? Jeremiah 31, 18 through 20. His dear child Ephraim. Now, if you read the rest of the book of Jeremiah, you know what the Lord wanted to do to Ephraim. But when they repented, look at his mercy. And brethren, he has that mercy for the thief on the cross. He had that mercy for King Ahab of Israel. He had that mercy for Manasseh of Judah. He had that mercy... For 3,000 Jews in the day of Pentecost, he had that mercy for publicans, harlots, and soldiers who repented. There is room at the cross for repentant sinners. And Jesus loves sinners, and he's the friend of sinners. But Jesus loves and befriends repentant sinners. Let's make sure we put repentance there. And there is no sin too great for repentance. All sin is against God. 
you do not have the right to ever hold a sin against anyone of any nature when that person has repented. Because the sin isn't against you. It doesn't matter what you think about it, feel about it, or what it costs you. The sin is against God. And if the God of heaven forgave the sin, then it should be forgiven. Forgiveness is full and complete with the Lord. There were Mary Magdalene's in the New Testament church. And with one more passage, I'll end. I want you to realize what it was like to go to church at Corinth and read their little bio sketches that they publish in the bulletin once a week. 1 Corinthians 6, listen to these words, 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. They had sodomites in the church at Corinth. They had adulterers in the church at Corinth. They had every kind of sin that you can imagine in the church at Corinth. But they were forgiven. They were cleansed. They were washed by the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit of God. They had repented. And though those sins cannot inherit the kingdom of God, these people would inherit the kingdom of God because they were no longer adulterers and sodomites and drunkards and revilers because they had been forgiven legally and they had repented practically. They were changed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold! All things are become new. That's a man in Christ. That's godly repentance. The God of heaven, whom I try to serve, calls on you and me today to repent for anything in our lives that is even a compromise of the precious word of God. Let us do it. Let's turn and live. He'll take us faster than he took Ephraim if you'll repent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.